It is a Thursday edition. Welcome in, everybody. I hope uh, everybody's doing well on your Thursday. And thank you again to our friend Tim Lasher. Lasher, Home Comfort Systems. Great, great company. They will help you with any heat and uh, air needs that you have or are experiencing. In fact, if you need the AC tune-up, they can do that for you before it really starts getting hotter. You can give them a call at 405 405- 579-3113. That's 405-579-3113. Parker, Mo Gibson, transfer portal. Man. Yeah, how about that? Surprise, surprise, surprise. That's not ideal for this Oklahoma basketball team, Mike. And completely unforeseen, too. We all thought, okay, well, and he had said as much on social media. If Mo Gibson doesn't go pro, he's going to be back with Oklahoma, right? That's what we all thought. Yeah. And it didn't look like, and we talked about it on this show before, not a whole lot of NBA teams are in the market for six foot one, 170-pound shooting guards. So the odds were strong that he was going to end up back in Norman next season. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we were also thinking, well, maybe he could go play in Europe or something like that if he really wants some money. Or maybe he thinks, I can go get a Nigel Pack deal, like, Nigel Pack leaving K-State for Miami, getting $800,000 for two years in a NIL deal with Life Wallet and a vehicle out of the deal. Maybe that's what he's thinking, that I can go get a really sweet NIL deal somewhere. Honestly, that probably pays better than going to play overseas, doesn't it? Uh, yes. I You think uh, Nigel Pack... You know, could have left Kansas State and go to Europe and play for that amount, maybe. But yeah, uh, sure. But you, you got to worry about visas and passports and moving all your stuff overseas and all that. It just makes a whole lot more sense to just hit the transfer portal and go somewhere within the contiguous United States where you can get paid similar coin. Can I uh, make an old man statement right off the bat? Here? Sure, go ahead. All right, uh, I am. Um, I'm starting to exit the highway onto another thoroughfare, which is called I Hate College Sports Boulevard. <laughs> so that's where we're at, huh? I, I'm The blinker's on. I'm thinking about making the exit. I, and again, I might loop back around and get back on the positive highway, but I don't like what I'm seeing, man. I just don't like this stuff. And I don't know how to reconcile how I feel about it because I'm also in the camp of, you know, these kids should be getting some money. There's no doubt about it. They have been exploited at the highest level for a while. Maybe exploited is too strong of a word, but, um, you know, they, they definitely deserve a piece of the pie. But, man, this pie doesn't taste very good right now. It's What's a really bad pie? Pecan. See, I like pecan. Oh, you do? But you're yes, one of those. Yeah, I'm. I'm old school though. Okay, how about um, like a like a mince pie? Yes, yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's a bad tasting pie. I don't like this pie at all. Are you guys and gals with me on the Air Comfort Solutions text line? This might have something to do with your uh, your age. You know what demo you're in? I don't know. Somebody on the text line said that Tiger Woods is in Tulsa right Which now. Which he is. Really? Yes. How did I miss that? T.J. Eckert was the one that broke it Oh, on did Twitter. he really? Well, yeah, TJ's, he, was, he was at the airport doing a full stakeout. How about that? Well, T.J.'s coming on with us later today, so maybe he can tell us all about it. So, Or maybe he'll be busy with his stakeout, but T.J. is supposed to come on with us 
uh, later today at 1235. So, yeah, I didn't have my notification. Did your notifications get messed up on Twitter? Is Elon Musk already messing with us? I, I guess I don't have I don't have I don't have a notey for uh, TJ. Nothing against TJ, but like I've got notifications on for you. It's basically for people who follow recruiting because I want to make sure I'm up on all that stuff all the time. So I did miss that. So thank you for pointing that out of the Air Comfort Solutions text line. I have no idea what's going on there. I mean, I, I didn't see anything. If Tiger is having some kind of press conference for the PGA. We weren't aware of that. I, I don't know. Maybe he was coming in to look at the course. Who knows? We'll find out from TJ coming up at 1235. So Tiger and Phil both did sign up for the PGA. I still think it is maybe 50-50 for Tiger at Southern Hills. I know he wants to play and will play at St. Andrews, but we'll see. But back to the Mo Gibson thing. Again, um, you, you can't look at Porter Moser's first year now and say it hasn't been disappointing. As much as I like that hire, you can't tell me that was a good first year for Porter Moser. Can you? I mean, you don't make the NCAA tournament. You've got, you know, guys in the portal, and we thought that Mo Gibson was coming back. We thought the same thing with uh, Elijah Harkless, right, that he was going to be coming back. So is Porter Moser difficult to play for, demanding coach? Yeah, I think he is. He's got to get his guys in, obviously. But, you know, it's just the portal. I, I would hate to be a college head coach right now. Now, believe me, cashing a check, if I was kind of making the money that, you know, these guys are making, that'd be great. But, man, you, you talk about headaches. These are headaches. And Porter, it'll be interesting to see because he's going to be in Tulsa tonight with the Sooner Caravan along with uh, Brent and Jenny Baranchek. Uh, and Jenny Baranchek obviously had a really good first year. I love, don't get me wrong, I love the Porter Moser hire. I think it was a great, great, great hire for OU men's basketball, but that was a disappointing year. And uh, these two decisions by uh, Mo Gibson today and a while back from Elijah Harkless are, are disappointing. So we'll see. I know, uh, and you guys heard Josh talking about it. They got the kid from Michigan State coming in next week, Julius Marble, 6'9", forward, uh, you know, Played minutes for Michigan State, and uh, Tom Izzo last year averaged six and a half points, three rebounds out of Dallas, so he'd be closer to home. So maybe he's on the Sooners roster next year. But I, am I wrong in saying, I mean, there's been a lot of disappointing stuff. It's not a disappointing hire, but the result so far I think has been. I don't think it was disappointing until you lost Harkless and Gibson to the portal. Yeah, because I agree with those that. Those two guys were going to be cornerstones for your program next year. They were both going to be sixth-year seniors. They both are returning double-digit scorers. We've talked about it. Gibson, when he is feeling it, man, he is one of the most dangerous shooters in the entire country, and Harkless is one of the premier off-ball defenders across the nation. So you lost two high-impact players via the transfer portal, and you bring in Joe Bamaseal from George Washington, and maybe you get Julius Marble. But this really puts the pressure on Porter Moser to offset the losses, and they are big losses. You have four some... scholarships available now, right? I think. Okay, so let's let's think about who they lose. Uh, obviously, in addition to Harkless and Yamoja Gibson, you have Alston Mason in the transfer portal. Maywin. Maywin, and you have Rick Asanza. Right. So you're down five scholarships right there. Then you have Ethan Shagwa, Marvin Johnson, and Jordan Goldwire graduating. So you are down eight scholarships. Plus the three you're bringing in, that takes you down to five, and Joe Bamisil is four. 
the other transfer from Wofford, Sam Godwin, is not going to be on scholarship. Preferred walk-on. So you, right now, yes, you have four open scholarships to fill via the transfer portal. Look, and again, I uh, I do like to hire. I was excited about it when it happened for Josie to you know swing for the fences and bring Porter, Porter Moser into Norman. I think is still a really good hire, but so far the result hasn't been you know quite what Sooner fans expected. And I didn't expect Oklahoma to go to the Elite Eight or win twenty five games, but I do expect Oklahoma to be in the NCAA tournament. And whether you think they were wronged by the committee or not doesn't matter. You know, you go to the NIT and then you lose in the NIT uh, to St. Bonaventure. But also, I, I just think that now when you add these transfers in, when we all thought, well, Elijah Harkless, man, too bad. He gets hurt, but he says he's coming back. Guess what? He's not coming back. Mo Gibson says, I'm declaring for the NFL draft. See what happens there. You know, and, uh, you know, see how I'm evaluated and all of that stuff. Not signing with an agent, but if that doesn't work out, I'm coming back to Oklahoma. Not coming back to Oklahoma. So, uh, you know, disappointing. I'm sure that Porter Moser's disappointed, but he's got to get his own guys in here and uh, see what happens. And I do think he is probably a little more demanding coach than most out there. I'm not saying it's like playing for Bob Knight or somebody like that back in the day. But, um, you know, and, and the kids that you coach these days, man, think about this also if you're Mo Gibson. Number one, you've seen Nigel Pack leave Kansas State and go to Miami and get a two-year $800,000 NIL deal with Power Wallet and, uh, you know, the collective out at Miami and a new vehicle. Plus, you saw last year Alondis Williams go to Wake Forest, become the ACC Player of the Year. You saw Brady Manick nearly win a national championship and become a an extremely popular, really good player at North Carolina. And then you saw um, Cam Augusti with great success in Miami. So, I don't know. Maybe he thinks I can go somewhere for one year and make a big run in the tournament and, uh, you know, maybe test myself a little bit more. You know, there's some examples that worked really worked out really well for some Sooners who hit the portal. That's true. Devion Harmon didn't. Now he's back in the portal and, 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 again. De- Devion Harmon's back in the portal. Maybe he comes back around. Maybe he's back in Oklahoma. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> I mean, you've got to at least give that possibility a look, right, given his familiarity with the program. And I guess, shoot, all his teammates are gone at this point. It's crazy, Mike. We are one year into the post-Lon Kruger era. And there is only one remaining player on this roster that played for Lon Kruger, and it's Jalen Hill. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. All right. We're going to take a break right here. Give us your thoughts on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. You can do it right now, 405-651-3439. 405-651-3439. So, anyway. Uh, we got a lot of things happening. And, uh, like I said, I'm not sitting here telling you, man – Porter Moser, this is ridiculous. He should be in the hot seat. I'm just saying I don't think you can label year one anything other than a disappointment. Unless your standards are kind of, you know, for OU basketball aren't that high. All right, we'll break, come back, get to your texts and talk about Baker. Will he be traded tonight? We'll get into that also right here on The Ref. Okay, we are back. 
Steel Man and Thune at noon here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. NFL Draft is happening tonight in Las Vegas. No Sooners going in the first round unless there's a big surprise. Oh, you think so? Perry on Winfrey, Nick Benito, uh, Brian Asamoa, I believe will be uh, the first three off the board for Oklahoma. Then you're looking at uh, Marquise Hayes, Tyrese Robinson, and uh, Isaiah Thomas. I, I think that Winfrey and Benito, based on what I'm seeing, and maybe Asamoa, second day guys, and then uh, Hayes, Robinson, and Thomas a little bit later. Well, I'll just I'll say this much. I think there's a very good chance Perrion Winfrey comes off the board tonight. Do you really? I do. Now, I don't know about the other guys. Here's the interesting thing as well. Uh, there, ha- There is increasingly over the last 24 hours a sense behind the scenes among experts that there's going to be a run on edge rushers at the top of this draft. So you're hmm. talking about guys like Jermaine Johnson from Florida State, Trayvon Walker at Georgia, Aiden Hutchinson at Michigan, and they'll George probably Carlapis. go one. They'll go one too, right? Walker and Hutchinson. That that possibility is very much on the table. But if that happens, then maybe you see a guy like Nick Benito, who's in that second tier of edge rushers, sneak into the back end of the first round. So it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. I wouldn't put money on it, but I do think if there's a Sooner selected tonight, it will be be Perry on Winfrey, and I think there's a very good chance that that happens. Things are trending in the right direction. So maybe 25 through yeah, 32. Yeah, somewhere so in that 25-32 range. We'll see. We will see at a great senior bowl and uh, certainly – uh, increased his stock value with his performance in Mobile. There is no doubt about that. And uh, definitely, I think, no later than uh, the second round would be my guess for Perry on Winfrey. All right, uh, real quick, Baker Mayfield, will he be traded tonight? We shall see. Stephen A. Smith was talking about Baker and actually somewhat propped up Baker earlier this morning. Oops, I forgot to pause the intro music. Gavin Mike. Newsom and Bush interrupting Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> Who would have expected it? All right. All right, here we go. Baker Mayfield is not a scrub. Baker Mayfield can play. Yeah. But we keep putting so much on the fact that he was injured last year. Well, he had three years before that, and yes, he got him to a playoff series, and yes, they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. No doubt about it. But when we talked about the Cleveland Browns, and we saw Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry and Njoku and, and Nick Chubb Some and talent. Kareem Hunt. What we religiously stated is that the weak link to the Cleveland Browns offense was their quarterback. That's inescapable. That's inescapable. Now, that doesn't mean he's a scrub. It doesn't mean he can't play. doesn't mean he can't start. But what it does mean is that there was something about Maker Mayfield that was a notch below – what the elite quarterbacks that existed throughout the NFL were. So sometimes it's not about whether you could play or not. It's you being compared to your contemporary. By the way, it just hit me, Mike. Mm-hmm. Did you say Gavin Newsom and Bush? Oh, no, no, it's Gavin. Gavin uh, Rossdale. Gavin Rossdale. Yeah, Gavin Newsom is in it's, politics. Yeah, not rock and I was roll, yeah. say, Gavin not... Newsom. <laughs> oh, man. He's out there in California, man, out there at Mule Shoot, all those people who just look in the mirror all the time. Oh, Stephen, Stephen A., man. Yeah, well, he sort of propped him up. Sort of. The problem for Baker is making $18.5 million or whatever it is, close to $19 million next year. And the Browns, these teams want the Browns to eat some of that salary, or we'll, we may have to wait until he's released. We'll just have to wait and see. Uh, Seattle? 
Maybe Carolina. What do you think? What, what do you put the percentage chances at tonight that there is a deal for Baker Mayfield during the draft? Man, if it doesn't happen tonight, when does it happen? That's the question. I mean, it could still happen during the draft, just not tonight. It could. Know. If he's not moved by this weekend, it might be a while. And I know I've said that before, but this is really the one opportunity for the Browns to offload Baker Mayfield if they can find somebody who's willing to acquire him at the right price. But if so, I don't think they have to be in any hurry. No, Because well, his, his trade value is close to zero right now. Yeah, I mean, people are talking about like a fifth-round pick for Baker now. So, and uh, we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be interesting tonight. The rest of the draft, to be honest with you, for me, is uh, I'm not really that interested. I don't think I'll turn it on tonight, to be honest with you. I'll follow along on Twitter, and if something happens and Baker gets dealt or something like that happens, I'll immediately go to ESPN and start watching. But there's just not a lot of interest for me tonight in this draft. To me, it's one of the most boring drafts ever. I know the wide receivers are also going to be – uh, you know, going uh, a lot of them in the first round, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Drake London, uh, Jameson Williams. You've got other guys. They, they could be up to seven potentially wide receivers going in the first round, perhaps. It's a lot of wideouts. That man. is a lot. Here, here's my thought. If you're a quarterback needy team right now and Baker Mayfield is available and it's going to cost you a fifth-round pick, why wouldn't you pull the trigger? Because in my eyes, Mike – what is that fifth-round pick going to do for your organization? The odds are he doesn't even make your 53-man roster to start the season, and he's on the practice squad. So if that's the price for acquiring a guy that best-case scenario could be your long-term answer at quarterback and that worst-case scenario you're parting ways with in a year anyway, that's a price worth paying to me. Yeah, I guess it's all about uh, Baker's money. For next year, right? And how much cap space do you have? How much room do you, if you're already paying, you know, somebody, uh, you know, a decent amount and it's not going to be franchise quarterback amount, uh, there's no way you could do it. But are you willing, you know, unless the Browns eat some of that salary somehow, are you willing to bring in Baker Mayfield for what could be one year? at $18.8 million or whatever it is. So we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see. If Baker doesn't go, then everybody's waiting on the Browns to release him and trying to save some money. But uh, tonight, NFL Draft, 7 o'clock, round one on ESPN. Okay, you want to go to the Air Comfort Solutions text line? We've been talking about uh, Mo Gibson and uh, NIL, all of that. One listener says, I don't think we can judge Porter Moser on students in the transfer portal. We need to judge him on what kind of team he has next year. That's fair, but at the same time, man, it's concerning. It really is concerning when your head basketball coach is unable to retain two of his key contributors in Elijah Harkless and Yamoji Gibson. That's acceptable at a mid-major school where most of those guys are going to be looking for bigger opportunities if they break out anyway. But for a program like the University of Oklahoma, two guys of that caliber hitting the portal within three weeks of each other, that raises some eyebrows, and deservedly so. And it heightens the pressure on Moser, and it maybe diminishes the expectations for year two because – Heading into his second year, Mike, we were all figuring, okay, well, they're going to return a lot of their key contributors from last season. They're going to bring in some high-impact transfers. They're going to bring in a couple freshmen in Milos Uzan and Otega Uwe that can really play ball and can really find the bottom of the net. 
So maybe this is a program that wins 25 games in year two. Now, you're almost, you're not quite back to square one like you were a year ago at this time. But man, you're close, Mike. No, it's concerning. There's no doubt. You better hope both those freshmen uh, develop quickly. And who knows? Again, four scholarships available now. And Oklahoma, guess what? They can go into the portal as well. And maybe Julius Marble is the guy, the kid coming in to visit from Michigan State. And maybe he'll be a big-time player for OU. Here is a great point via the text line. Just be patient. Name, image, and likeness will make a market correction in a few years. There's no way that the pack kid is worth 800k. People right. will not just continue to throw their corporate money away when they're not seeing a residual off of their investment. These kids will all, all not have great years after they sign NIL contracts. There will be a bunch of busts, and that's when the market will make its monetary correction. And everybody's wondering right now, Mike. It's a it's a popular topic of conversation. Well, <laughs> Oklahoma better get ready to throw around seven figures like Texas A&M and Miami and Nebraska. Mm. At this point, my rejoinder to that, Mike, is, okay, NIL legislation has been in place for all of nine months. There is no empirical data to support the notion that recruiting via NIL dollars is going to result in success for your program. So if Texas A&M and Miami and Nebraska and Arkansas, what have you, are competing for national titles within three to five years, then maybe we can start having that conversation. But... The reality is, hunger doesn't quit. Hunger doesn't hit quite as hard when the cupboard is full. And so, for these kids that have already gotten paid, Mike, are they going to have the same fire under their bellies, the same competitive fire they did before they had that motivation to get the check one day in the NFL? I don't know. That that's the question we're going to see. Uh, like you said, we don't have enough. We don't have any data yet because it's just starting. We haven't seen any results, any residuals from what's going on. We got to look at A and M two, three years down the road, and some of these other schools with the big collectives that are basically buying players, right? Um, so we'll see. And and we were talking about that the other day. We we don't know what's going to win out in the end. Is it going to be look at me, give me my nil deal? You know every. All these uh, teams that you would think are just going to have a bunch of individuals out to get theirs, maybe they, maybe they do come together and win. We don't know. Or is it going to be more old school where you don't put NIL as your top priority and you want kids that you want to take care of and you want to give them some money, but you don't want it to be, yeah, we're, we're in a bidding war for everybody, uh, which appears to be kind of the Brent Venables approach. Oklahoma's not – pushing NIL aside, they're trying to embrace it too, but I don't think they're trying to make NIL like the number one thing. Brent's talking about, what has he talked about? It's always been about relationships, right? And not transactional relationships. It's all about who you recruit. It's all about recruiting the person, not necessarily the player. (laughs) Love this text. NIL is doing to college sports what Old Town Road (laughs) did to country music. Uh, I like it. Another listener asks, Parker, is it concerning BV couldn't retain Caleb Williams and Mario Williams? It's not as concerning as Porter Moser's inability to return Emoji Gibson and Elijah Harkless because you have a hundred and something players in a football locker room. You only have 13. Yeah, in your basketball locker. Well, so the two, the absence of two key players hurts a lot more for a basketball team than it does for a football team. I always felt like Caleb Williams signed with Muleshoe more than Oklahoma, which, and which Mar- Mario Williams came along for the ride, kind of right. And so, 
that is uh, so I can absolutely, you know, it, it didn't. It, what surprised me initially were these reports that Caleb Williams wasn't going to go out to Southern Cal initially. And I don't know if that was another mule shoe uh, smoke screen or what, uh, because he fooled us all because we all had our eyeballs on LSU and then USC came out of nowhere. I don't know. But I always felt like Caleb Williams just signed with uh, Lincoln Riley and, and Oklahoma was just where Lincoln Riley happened to be. So, all right, we'll take a break right here. Thank you to Lasher Home Comfort Systems. More texts coming up. Yeah, I hope the market correction comes. And, and I think the texter's right. By the way, you guys are awesome on the text line. Absolutely fantastic every day. Thank you so much, man. It's, it really is good stuff. Uh, but I hope that market correction comes because, as I said, I'm about to exit the highway onto the I Hate College Sports Avenue expressway i think it's an expressway all right stay with us we'll be right back all right we're back tj eckert joins us ktul tv sports director in tulsa and he's breaking tiger news today yes he's somewhere in the bushes how about the that tulsa airport that's impressive man reconnaissance from tj eckert uh, today so tigers in tulsa correct and do we know if he's headed to Southern Hills? I mean, it's three weeks away until the PGA. Yes. So he landed in Tulsa, hopped in a courtesy car, and headed straight to Southern Hills. And uh, they're not letting anybody on the course right now. I was talking to a, a buddy that is normally there and said that they're not letting anybody there today. So it's, it looks like it's Tiger's course today at Southern Hills. <laughs> and the, uh, the report is that he's playing 18. And, and then there was a report out from Golf Digest just a few minutes ago that says that He's there playing 18, and that he plans to play it, barring any setbacks. We can only hope for that kind of celebrity, can't we, Mike, where an entire golf course yeah. shuts down for an entire day so we can play 18? That's impressive. That's really impressive. So, yeah, great uh, great work there getting that. And, you know, I was thinking because initially, and maybe this was just the deadline stuff because we saw that Tiger – uh, you know, filled out the necessary paperwork to get ready for the Open Championship, which is now the last major, of course, on the golf calendar at St. Andrews, where he's won before. Uh, but we didn't see that, you know, we, we found out a couple days ago that he and Phil both filled out their paperwork for Southern Hills. So, again, what was looking like maybe a 50-50 proposition now looks like it's maybe 90% or so that Tiger's going to be there. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's safe to say. And, you know, he. He, he talked about it during after the Masters and said he's going to do everything he can to play. And, you know, it sounds like that's what he's going to do. It's interesting he picked today. I mean, I, I know I think he's got some sort of clinic or something this weekend in Vegas. So I think he was just trying to do it as he was passing through. But I mean, it's, it's raining right now. I'm driving, driving home right now, and it's, it's raining pretty hard. And so I'm not sure what all kind of work he's going to get. But, uh, you know, if we're talking about him playing, which it sounds like he's going to, He's going to have to really kind of learn this place because it's a lot, it's a lot different than when he won in 2007. You know, the, the course is a lot different. It's a lot longer. Uh, you know, the bunkering is different. There's different bunkers on different holes. A couple different holes look completely different than they did uh, 25 years ago now or 15 years ago now, excuse me. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's looking more and more likely that, that he will be playing for sure. And, and I, I think we talked about it a few weeks ago. At that point, I, was more, I would be more surprised if he didn't play than if he – and if he did, and, and now I'm, I'm fully all in on that thought. If, if he doesn't play now, I mean, that'd, be a, that'd be a pretty big shock. So, TJ, this afternoon will you be taking your pair of binoculars and jumping in the cockpit of the KTUL helicopter to go scout his play? 
there's a there are a couple holes. I don't want to give anybody any ideas, but there's a couple holes if you've been to Southern Hills that run right alongside 61st Street. And so if you parked in the neighborhood across the street and just kind of meander your way over uh, on the south side of 61st, you can peer through some of those shrubs and, and get a pretty good look at Tiger. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to encourage anybody to do that because I'm hoping I'm the only one that's there doing it. The paparazzi is headed there right now. You, you can do like me and my fraternity brothers did uh, on a Friday night of the 82 PGA Championship. And uh, we had a fraternity brother, don't want to mention any names, David Eve, who lived on uh, Southern Hills. So we snuck on the course in the middle of the night and we slept in a tree. So, And one of my, uh, one of my friends was wearing white shorts. So uh, he got some bark on the white shorts in a certain area that didn't look very good. And he was walking around the next day, and people were looking like, oh, my, you know. So, yeah, you can always sleep in a tree. That's that's a possibility. So I remember being woken up by the sprinklers the next morning. Uh, so, TJ, by the way, there's a lot going on, man, in, uh, in Tulsa right now. The, the Golden Hurricane, are we going to have the Golden Hurricane around much longer? Is a, we know a mascot change is coming. Is a, uh, is a nickname change coming for Tulsa? That's uh, it's an interesting discussion. They're, they're talking about wanting to rebrand. The president, Brad Carson, has has mentioned you know this sort of rebranding, but didn't really go into depth of exactly what he wants to do. Changing the physical mascot is step one, but I don't know if that'll entail changing any anything more. I, I, I'm fully on board with it. I, I think it's a, I think we, they need to rebrand, in my opinion, and. I'm I'm not creative, but I've heard some good names being thrown around there. I just don't, you know, we don't get hurricanes here. So which, like, which one do you like the most that you've heard? I like so I I recommended tornadoes, which I think is good because we get those here. But simply because I want them to be called the Naders, like I, I just think that sounds cool. I think that I think that has a good 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 vibe to it. I heard, uh, you know, I think the storm is fine. I think someone from uh, up here in Tulsa recommended the, just the gold. I think that's kind of cool. You know, just a simple color. But uh, anything but hurricane, we just don't get those here, especially golden hurricane. I'm, that almost implies some sort of, like, urine-infested hurricane. I don't know if I like that. <laughs> <That's>, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, ne- I've never thought about it along uh, those lines before, but now I'd never oh, get that man. out of my head. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, TJ, uh, let's pivot, talk some OU football. What were your impressions Saturday from the Sooners spring game? Obviously, the size of the crowd and the environment in that building stood out, but as far as what you saw on the field from the Sooners, whether that's Jeff Lebby's up-tempo offense or the new defensive scheme under Brent Venables, what really stood out to you from the game itself? Yeah, the, the first thing I talked about with, with my friends was uh, how difficult it's going to be shooting their offense this year. Normally, whenever you, uh, if you're shooting a game, you can kind of take time in between plays and, and mark your plays or, or make sure you have everything set up correctly. But now it's just like you, know, you almost can't clip and, and you have to have like one continuous record. They were going so fast. So that's what stood out to me the most was was just the pace they were going, and it was constant. It was it was no you know sometimes you'll see teams go fast after a big gain on first down. We'll see a team go fast on third and short, but they were going fast every single play. They did a couple check with me's on like third and long situations, but for the most part it was it was up tempo the entire day, and so that was that was interesting to watch. Uh, you know I didn't we didn't I don't think we got the full Dylan Gabriel experience with how windy it was. I, they did attack vertically some. But I don't think they did it as much as maybe Jeff Levy would normally do on a, on a typical day. So we didn't really get to see the full downfield experience from Dylan Gabriel. I thought he looked fine. Uh, but, you know, passing in that win that they had is difficult. And so I don't think we've got, we've got to see that fully. Uh, but as far as, yeah, the crowd was awesome. It was really cool seeing uh, all the former players back. It was, it was funny 
Adrian Peterson would stand out just about anywhere. But it was as I was shooting and seeing all the former players there, it was almost like in the middle of my camera, I was like, oh, wait, there's Adrian Peterson. I should probably zoom in on him. There were just so many guys that were back, and uh, it, it was pretty cool to see. One more question. We'll let you go. Uh, NFL draft tonight, and we've been talking about, you know, Perry on Winfrey and Nick Benito, where they're going to go. Uh, you know, they, they maybe they sneak into the end of the first round, probably second, uh, second day picks. But uh, it's very possible and probably even likely that Tyler Smith, the offensive lineman from Tulsa, is going to be the first uh, Oklahoma player off the board. Yeah, so Tyler Smith has, has really shut up draft boards in, in this past season and, and has looked really solid. Him and Chris Paul both. Chris Paul's probably going to be more of a day three guy, but he's he's really shown up as well. Uh, Tyler Smith has, has really impressed scouts. He looked good during the pro day that he had and the stuff that he did anyway. Um, and so I think I've heard, I've heard a lot of scouts really talk highly about him. The other guy I would keep an eye on is Dax Hill. I think he goes by Daxton now in college. Uh, defensive back at Michigan. He played at Booker T. Washington. And so he's a guy that have some predictions have him going late first round and kind of similar to a Benito or Perry on Winfrey more maybe maybe going to be an early second round type draft pick but uh, Dax has done really good for himself up there at Michigan one of the top rated defensive backs uh, in this draft and so a couple guys we need to keep an eye on tonight and uh, shameless plug it's on our station up here in Tulsa so you can watch it on news channel 8 in Tulsa and then you can watch our newscast right after that there you go. The one and only T.J. Eckert on uh, the Tiger Stakeout and keeping us updated on everything. T.J., thanks, man. You bet, guys. Talk soon. T.J. Eckert, KTUL-TV in uh, Tulsa. Tiger in Tulsa. Tiger landed not too long ago, headed to Southern Hills, trying to get ready for the PGA. Clear indication Tiger is probably going to play, likely will play at Southern Hills three weeks from today. In the second major of the year. Oh, yes, the Eye of the Tiger. We need, let's see, we need one more PGA Tour win to break the tie with Sam Snead. We need four more majors to break Jack's 18 majors record. Let's do it. Let's start at Southern Hills. Take a break. Be right back. All right. First round pick for uh, your summer music. Beats and Bites Festival over at Riverwind Casino. We'll start the festivities. Uh, all the great food trucks out there, the retail vendors, fireworks show in July, games for the kids, activities for the kids. We've got everything out there. You can bring your pet. May 28th, Night Ranger and Starship with Nikki Thomas is the first show for Beats and Bites 2022. Everclear, Sister Hazel and Deep Blue Something in June on June 18th. Then two great shows in July, the Randy Rogers Band, followed by an incredible fireworks show out at Riverwind. That'll be on July 9th. And then Scotty McCreary on July 30th. So Beats and Bites is back. All the very best local food trucks. Retail vendors are out there. Like I said, it's kid-friendly. There are a lot of kids' activities out there. Uh, you can bring your pet. All you have to do is clean up after your pet. You're good to go. And you can enjoy some great music, some great food, some great fun from our friends at Riverwind Casino. Another reason why Riverwind is simply the best. All right. You want to get back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line? We should. All right. One listener says, how about giving Porter Moser the same consideration as Lon Kruger, whose first two teams were terrible, but went on to become really good. Let Moser develop his players before becoming concerned. That's fair to an extent, but again, it is concerning, undeniably so, when you see arguably your two most impactful guards 
both hit the transfer portal. And without question, the two most experienced players on your roster. Yamoja Gibson and Elijah Harkless were going to be huge pieces for this team in 2023. 2022-2023, I suppose. That's always that's always weird for me yeah. because the basketball season crosses over. It's like you have to go to all the tongue trouble of calling it the 2022-23 season. But anyway, the point is, those two were going to be big pieces for Porter Moser. And now he's going to have to find somebody to do what Yamoja Gibson does from beyond the arc, and he's going to have to find somebody to do what Elijah Harkless does as far as on-ball defense. That's not an yeah. easy thing to do. Yeah, and, and look, I'm willing to give Porter Moser plenty of time. Sure, My sure. thought, again, is it was a really good hire. I think it was a great hire. But, again, uh, I'm just saying there's really no way you can look at the first year and not think it's somewhat disappointing. When you don't get to the NCAA tournament, I know you're playing in a, a really good basketball league, obviously, and then you put at the end, you know, the the uh, the afterword of the book or what epilogue is that you lose uh, Elijah Harkless and Mo Gibson in the portal. And again, I'm not blaming. I I don't know who's to blame. Really, that I don't know if blame should be assigned to anybody. If there's probably any blame to go around, it's just the portal itself. And that these kids are always thinking, man, there's more money out there somewhere or a better opportunity out there somewhere. And like I said, you've got examples, if you're a player at Oklahoma, of Brady Manick going to North Carolina, nearly winning a national championship. Uh, Alondis Williams going to Wake Forest, becoming the ACC Player of the Year. Nobody thought that was a possibility. And then, uh, again, you look at uh, what happened in Miami with uh, Cam Augusti. And uh, he had a nice run and played really well for Miami. So uh, I just think, man, a lot of these kids think these days, man, there's a greener pasture for me somewhere. Even though the pasture might be pretty, pretty good where you are currently. And the Oklahoma basketball job, to me, is one of the most difficult power five basketball jobs out there. I'm not saying you're not under more pressure if you're at Duke or Carolina or Kentucky or wherever, but in terms of as fickle as the fan base can be at a football school, you're playing in an old arena that's hard to get to, and it's difficult. It is not an easy job, uh, you know, and, and sometimes I think you need to get a great, unbelievable player in state a lot of times, whether it was Wayman Tisdale or Trey Young or Blake Griffin to ascend to the level you really want to be at. So I, don't you think Oklahoma's a pretty tough Power 5 basketball job? All things considered, yes, it is very tough. Not nearly as tough as a place like Nebraska or TCU, but no, it it has its challenges. I think my worry with this is it sets a dangerous precedent because it's one thing if a guy like a Cole Maywin or Rick Asanza hits the portal, right? When key members of your team, guys that produce on both ends of the floor in Yamoji Gibson and Elijah Harkless hit the transfer portal, that says one of two things to me, Mike. That says, one, either they're not jiving with Porter Moser, and that, that's just that's me speculating right there. That's not me saying anything I know or even believe. But that's one possibility. The other, the other possibility, Mike, is that they view Oklahoma as a stepping stone program, and that's a pretty damning indictment. Yeah, and you've talked about it, and I agree. Of the schools in the Power Five leagues in college basketball, Oklahoma is probably the um, 
the best program out there not to have won a national championship. Agreed. When you consider, and, again, and I firmly believe that 88 team was the best team in the country, just didn't win it. Yeah. And look – no one is saying, "Oh boy, we better start we better start heating the burner under Porter Moser's seat." No. No, I think this fan base as a whole and certainly you and I Mike are perfectly content to give Porter Moser the benefit of the doubt and be patient with this hire because there's a lot that needs to improve. We've talked about the the need for facilities upgrades as well, but I don't think it's unjustified to say that Porter Moser's job just got a lot harder in year 2 than it was a month ago. Oh, yeah, no doubt. You're right. Unless you're looking through 100% complete crimson-colored glasses, I mean, people people realize that, right? They need to. Like I said, still think it's a really good hire. Still in favor of it. Still think Porter Moser will succeed at Oklahoma, but some of this stuff, again, with Elijah Harkless and Mo Gibson, certainly the Mo Gibson deal was a surprise. And even when Harkless made his decision, at one point we thought, you know, he was saying, I'm – I'm coming back, but he didn't. Okay, we've got another hour to go. We're going to talk uh, Sooner football, take more of your texts. Thank you, Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Hour two coming up here on Steel Man and Thune. It is a Thursday edition of Steel Man and Thune at noon into the 1 o'clock hour here on your Thursday. Thank you to our second-hour sponsor, and that would be the one and only Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 in Paul's Valley for a great deal on a vehicle and tremendous service after the sale. That great guarantee they always talk about, and it's got to get your attention. Oil changes, engines for life on new or used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. NFL draft is tonight. Tigers in Tulsa. You're on the text line. What could be better here on a Thursday? And then we've got uh, locked in coming up at 2 o'clock. Sooner women's softball game that was scheduled for UMKC tonight in Kansas City against the Kangaroos. That was canceled. Uh, Patty Gasso and her powerhouse team will play in Lawrence against KU Friday night, Saturday afternoon, and Sunday at noon. Sooner baseball team has a weekend series with Kansas State. Friday night, Dylan Gabriel will throw out the first pitch at 6.30. And then Saturday afternoon and Sunday afternoon at Mitchell Park. Sooners coming off a uh, loss on Tuesday night to ORU at J.L. Johnson Stadium. Congrats to Ryan Hibble. Ryan Hibble has done an unbelievable job with the OU golf program. Artie's won a national championship. They win the Big 12 men's golf tournament yesterday at – Whispering Pines in Trinity, Texas, beating out second-ranked Oklahoma State. Sooners, the number one team in the country. They finished 14 under par. Oklahoma State at 12 under Texas. Uh, had a collapse down the stretch and finished third. But uh, Ryan Hibble has done – you're talking about a guy that's done a fantastic, unbelievable job also. Ryan Hibble is that guy. No doubt about it. No doubt. They, they've been – and think about it. Oklahoma State – not that Oklahoma's men's golf program hasn't been good, but you're in the same state with Oklahoma State, which has set the standard for years and years and years and years and even more years. Uh, you know, kind of like the Houston program way back in the day. Oklahoma State's been the standard, but Ryan has come in and done, you know, right here in the state of Oklahoma, they're ranked number one in the country. The Cowboys are second. And Alan Bratton is another great team. Uh, how cool would it be to see a Bedlam battle for the national championship this year in the match play? That would be awesome. After the Sooners were runner-up to Pepperdine uh, last year. 
Okay, uh, we've been talking about Mo Gibson going into the portal, and we talked about this a lot yesterday, the future of college football. It's the game we all love. It is, you know, Sooner Saturdays, if you're a Cowboy fan, a Tulsa fan, whoever you're a fan of, you plan your fall calendar around the college football schedule. Tailgating, getting together with friends before or after the game. Those Saturdays are awesome. Some of your best memories probably have been created there. Maybe even some bad memories of, man, I had way too many beers before that one game. And then after K-State came back and beat us, guess what? I had about 12 more, and it got worse. Hopefully that didn't happen. But you know what I'm saying. It means so much to us here. And, uh, you know, at so many places around this country, college football means everything, man. We need uh, – everybody needs a getaway. Uh, you know, after a tough work week, there's nothing like a college football Saturday. To chill out, even if you don't tailgate and you're watching games all day, it's unbelievable. But the future of college football, man, we're entering – like I said, it, it's kind of like we have uh, – it's almost like we've gone into the time machine and jumped forward what we thought would be like 10 years, but instead it's here now. And that's the NIL and everything else, all of that – uh, you know, and, you know, it's it appears that it's the wild, wild west. And when you have the guy who just won a national championship, Kirby Smart in Georgia broke through and won and beat Alabama to win the national title. And when Kirby Smart said something like this about college football just not too long ago, it's got to open your eyes. Is he concerned? It worries me, I'll be real honest with you, where the game of college football is going First concern I have, the best leaders and the best men to run it and be organized with it are leaving. Because you said relentless. They're, the best coaches are going to the NFL because they get more time with their families. They want no part of NIL, portal, constant recruiting. And you say, well, why not? Go live it and see how long you want to do it. It's not what it used to be. And I see coaches left and right, you know a lot of them, that have stepped out of this game that are saying, I'm done. Good men, great leaders, they don't want to be a part of it. What do you think about those comments? I mean, he's not wrong. Alarming, man. Yeah, He's not wrong. That's the thing. He's not wrong at all. Coaches' jobs get harder and harder and harder every single time there's another facet added to the college football game as a whole and the experience of college football and nil is only the latest drop in the bucket and it's a big one right that's a splash in the bucket for college coaches because if they didn't already spend a great deal of time trying to recruit their prospective student athletes now not only do you have to recruit prospective student athletes you have to recruit Every single one of your players that's in the locker room every single day because otherwise they're going to hit the transfer portal. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. And, uh, you know, I, I just these coaches, again, they like detail, they like structure, and they don't – look, if unless you change with the times or adapt, whether it's social media or your know, business plan or whatever, you're going to be left behind. So, and I think the Sooners are doing that. We saw the one uh, – for Oklahoma Collective, and I, I think that Oklahoma, you know, there's smart people over there making decisions. The, the two Joes and everybody else are, are figuring it out. But at the same time, man, if you're a coach, I mean, <sighs> recruiting is hard enough. Just regular recruiting, trying to sell your program in your school was hard enough. 
And then you add in now, like you said, the possibility of your players leaving. Cody Jackson is the only player we know for Oklahoma still, right? Yes, that is correct. Which is really and truly at this point kind of amazing that it's only been one. Now, it may be, look, we may know something here in two or three days or maybe next week or down the road. I, he's not going to be the only one. If he is, that's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, and I, I like Brent's philosophy. I love this coaching staff's philosophy, a, a philosophy of totally buying in. You know, the players have got to be totally bought in. And look, all coaching staff say that. You know, but how much do they preach it? How much do they do that every single day and every single drill or every meeting or any time you show up to the facility, be it your best and give it your best? You know, some people can talk it, but they can't walk it. And I, I do think with this staff, we're seeing that they're going to walk it as well. Now, again, I, I just don't know. I can't imagine, again, where you want some familiarity and continuity with your roster. And if it's changing as much, you know, just like we've been talking with Mo Gibson going to the portal and all of a sudden Porter Moser has four scholarships available. So we'll see. We shall see. And the NCAA is on the respirator right now, and the plug may be pulled very soon. One listener says, if the job is too hard, the Dairy Queen in Omaha, Texas is hiring. <laughs> I didn't know there was an Omaha, Texas. Omaha! Isn't that weird? When you have a town, a very well-known town, that's in another state. So we have Miami, Oklahoma now. We call we, it Miami. But you know what I'm saying? We have we Cleveland, have a, Oklahoma, right? We have a Kansas, Oklahoma. We, there is a Kansas, Oklahoma. That's correct. One listener says, who cares if these old coaches want to leave the game? Good riddance. Let the young coaches have a chance. The days of coaching for one school for four decades are long gone. I right, look, you're not going to see a Joe Paterno, Bobby Bowden, uh, Bear Bryant. Well, Bear Bryant, you know, he was at Bama for a long time, but he was also at Kentucky and, and Texas A&M back in the day. Um, yeah, you're not going to see, you know, like I said, Joe Paw or – that's right, Jimmy Wilkerson. Good point. Jimmy yeah, Wilkerson right. from Omaha, Texas? Yeah, that's wow. right. Wow. But, again, you're just not going to see another Joe Parr, Bobby Bowden, who were both there 30-plus years on the job. I mean, Bob Stoops made it, what, 18 years? That's remarkable to think about that. And, uh, yeah, and, and I don't know, I think that the uh, – you know, it's not necessarily just the old coaches. I think they're probably some of the young ones that um, are probably thinking about, man, I could go to the NFL and guess what? I've got a general manager or maybe I'm good enough to be my own general manager and I don't have to, you know, you've got free agency and stuff like that, but it's not nearly what you have to deal with in college football. Now, we just touched on the prospect of outgoing players for the Oklahoma football program. How about the prospect of an incoming player? One listener on the Air Comfort Solutions text line asks, any chance OU goes after J.J. Hester from Missouri? He's from Booker T. Washington High in Tulsa. Yes. Yes. Watch that closely. J.J. Hester is a guy that I expect Oklahoma to be in the market for. Details, position, all that stuff. Yeah, so wide receiver. Uh, for those that don't remember him when he was coming up, he was class of 2019 at Booker T. Washington High. I believe class of 19. It was maybe class of 20, 19 or 20, something like that. I think it was 19. Regardless, uh, six foot three, 
signed with Missouri over a whole bunch of other offers, including Oklahoma and Texas, and was a decent contributor there. Uh, never really broke out. Uh, but he's demonstrated some of the physical tools to be able to play wide receiver at a high level in the Power Five. Injuries have somewhat hobbled him uh, and crippled his development. But at a place like Oklahoma, especially with the type of wideout that Jeff Lebby has an affinity for, yeah, there could be a spot for J.J. Hester. So I'd, I'd keep an eye on that one. So somebody is also asking about Emory Jones as a backup quarterback kid that OU faced uh, in the uh, the bowl game a couple years ago, correct? Yeah, I don't know. I really don't. Because Emory Jones, kind of similar to the conversation we were having yesterday with Gary Bohannon, Emory Jones left Florida because he really wasn't getting a fair shake to be the starter. And he's more of an athlete playing quarterback. Yeah. Not, not, not a great thrower. Emory Jones and Gary Bohannon are very, very similar. And so... Is it an impossibility? No. I just – I wouldn't put too much stock into it because I don't think Bohannon and or Jones is the type of quarterback that OU is going to want to look at for a QB2, and I also just don't think either of those guys is going to be necessarily content to go somewhere where they are quite obviously QB2. Any buzz, other buzz you're hearing on backup quarterback? Do you, do you have any insight? Uh, are you – at least on the on the radar screen where you feel like you you might know eh, where they're going to go. It's hard to say. I mean, Carlos Del Rio, another Florida transfer, he's an option. Chance Amy, junior college kid from Blinn, same JUCO that produced Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. He could be in play. It's hard to say right now, and especially hard to say because all these coaches are out on the road recruiting. So I don't think I, – I don't get the sense that's necessarily at the top of the priority list right now today for Oklahoma. By the way, remember the uh, the big conversations we had about Jackson Dart or Chuba Purdy, right? <laughs> and didn't Jackson Dart have a really rough spring game at Ole Miss? Is that what I heard? Did he really? I wasn't paying attention. I, I did not watch Somebody Ole Miss said uh, that they thought they heard he went like 11 of 30 or something like that. Of course, you know, it doesn't mean that he's not going to play well at Ole Miss, but we'll see. We shall see. All right, we're going to break right here again. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group, Paul's Valley, exit 72 for a great deal on a car or truck and a great deal after the sale as well. Oil changes engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, with you on a Thursday. It's the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Okay, we are back. Good to have you with us. And uh, Stacy Gage on Twitter. Yeah, how about that? And says a big announcement is coming Monday. Oklahoma? I don't know. You'd like to think so. But I'm not 100% sure. For I know we've got so many people who listen to us mainly because they want to hear you know uh, what you have to say about recruiting all the time that are recruiting fanatics who listen to this station who uh, follow it you know twenty four seven pardon the pun there you go two four seven but uh, fill everybody in who may not know about Stacy Gage and again he just took to Twitter about ten minutes ago and said big announcement coming Monday. Yeah, so uh, Stacey Gage, five-star running back out of IMG Academy in the state of Florida, originally hails from Hugo, Oklahoma. 
So there are Sooner ties there. And it's been pretty blatantly obvious from the get-go in Stacey Gage's recruitment that if that Oklahoma offer ever came along, and it did very early on in the process, Sooners were going to be tough to deny in the race for his commitment. And, man, the consensus expectation for some time has been that, well, it's it's a matter of when, not if, Stacey Gage commits. Now, I, obviously I haven't really had the chance to dig into it because that just hit the Twitterverse maybe 10 minutes ago, that announcement that he has an announcement coming on May 2nd. So I don't know exactly what it's going to be. I would figure it's probably either an announcement date or a top schools list, something like that. I'd be surprised if he committed this early in the process because it's just – and it's tough to explain for people that don't follow recruiting in depth, but the timing just doesn't seem completely right here for a commitment. I would figure if Stacey Gage has his mind completely made up, which I don't think is out of the question at all, I think he probably commits sometime in June or July because that's when you're going to start to see the surge for Oklahoma happening on the recruiting side. So you're thinking maybe a top five list. Yeah, maybe a top five or maybe just, hey, I'm committing on this date. Okay. Yeah. If he had a top five list right now, who else is in the running? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. No, I, I saw a couple of Florida State fans that were t- – tweeting emojis at him so you know and img obviously he's out there in the state of florida but as you said he's from hugo oklahoma so you feel uh as confident about stacy gage who is is regarded right as the number one running back in that class yes well as confident as anybody uh else right now uh, that's a four or five star I would say be very surprised if Stacey Gage and David Stone aren't committed by the end of calendar year 2022. Be very surprised. Because those two are as pro-OU as it can get. Yeah, be be, be uh, huge for Oklahoma, no doubt. Two five stars. So, again, Stacey Gage put that out on Twitter. Big announcement coming Monday. Uh, it's been about 15 minutes ago. Okay, Brent Venables. I love this comment. This one kind of sums up Brent's feeling after the spring spring game and kind of what Brent is all about. You know, feeling good, but knows that more work needs to be done. Team 128, you, you get to write your own story. Okay, but y'all ain't done nothing yet. Four and a half months, all right? Got spring ball done, okay? But we got a lot of work to do. And you're going to get exactly what you earn. Nothing more, nothing less. And uh, so for me, I used it, try to use it as an opportunity with the players to let them know, you know, y'all know, I just had Adrian Peterson sitting up in my office now, right? With, his, with two kids. He's got two little boys, Axel and, and Adrian Jr. And for me, because I've talked to our players about it many times, I want that 35, 40-year-old version of you, want to be able to come back here and hug my neck, bring your children, because you loved your college experience. Because people treated you the right way. Because they didn't use you. Okay? They empowered you and equipped you, not entitled you. Yes, Mule Shoe, you hear that? That's directed at you, too. No doubt, you entitler. But uh, I love that. And I want to ask you this question, though, and people can weigh in again, as always they always do on the text line, our Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Uh, just about everybody 
feels like Brent Venables and certainly this new staff is a breath of fresh air. There's more access. Sooner fans have showed how much they appreciate what they've heard and what they've seen and how they wanted to support the program by showing up with uh, 75,000 on Saturday, breaking the old spring game record by 20,000. That's how good they feel about Brent Venables and the direction of the program. But if you have one concern, the one primary concern you would have for Brent and this new era of Oklahoma football over the next five years, what would it be? Man, that's hard. That's hard. I guess guess the concern would be I worry that the honeymoon period wears off for so many of these fans if the Sooners don't put it all together in 2022. Because like I said, I think year two has to be the year that you're looking forward to at this point as the season that Oklahoma could potentially be back in the national title hunt. I think it's unfair to expect that from any coach in year one. Now, is there the chance that OU gets to that level in year one under Brent Venables? Sure, but I don't think people should be approaching the 2022 season with that expectation because they're setting themselves up for disappointment. Regardless of how good of a coach Brent Venables is, regardless of how much talent he has, regardless of how bought in the players and the staff and the fan base is, there's still so much that can go awry in year one and there's still so much that you're learning about your team and there's so much that the players are learning about the scheme and about how they all work together and interact with one another on the field so to carry such high expectations into year one I would say that's that's setting yourself up to be disappointed so temper expectations in year one I think my concern for so many of these fans is that they're riding the emotional high of the spring game, and those expectations are going to go through the roof. And if Oklahoma doesn't win 11, 12 games in 2022, then they start to get disenchanted, which I don't think is going to be justified. I don't think it's justifiable. But that's kind of my concern is that come this time next year when it's time to honor Kyler Murray for his 2018 Heisman Trophy, are you going to see 70,000 more people at Owen Field for that spring game? Are you going to see people as effervescent about Oklahoma football and as enthused for the future as they are right now today? So my concern has less to do with Brent Venables and less to do with the coaching staff and the players and more to do with just the expectations that seem to be rising ever higher amongst the fans because I think there's there's a healthy degree of skepticism that you need to carry into year one and again I'm not trying to be fire and brimstone here I'm not saying it's going to be a seven eight win Oklahoma team in 2022 but what I am saying is be careful about the standard that you hold this team and your new head coach to in year one, because it is still a process and there is still a learning curve. And, you know, the thing is, they are so fired up right now. They're so fired up and uh, they are ready. You know, they want this team to stampede everybody and go out, win every game by four touchdowns and show that Oklahoma football is not going everywhere. Guess what? There are going to be some plays that don't go Oklahoma's way. There are going to be some games that may not go Oklahoma's way. I, I still think the Sooners – 
they're my favorite to win the Big 12. And a lot of that's due to the home schedule with Baylor and Oklahoma State at home. Um, but again, they're, they're arguing. Bob Stoops was 7-5 and five in his first year, right? Or, yeah, 7-5 and five after Shreveport. Um, but anyway, I, I, I do think – here's my concern, though. Yours is about the fans and their level of patience with the program. Mine is, are there enough great, really good football players? And Oklahoma always has had a share of those. But are there enough out there that will buy into this system, which I think is tougher, and will also buy into a program that may not have – as many NIL dollars or opportunities as some others who apparently have no li- limit or ceiling on what they're giving these kids. Will Brent Venables be able to find enough kids who like, you know what, I, all right, I may not get quite as much here from OU, but guess what? They still have NIL money. They still have a collective. And I want to play for Brent Venables and play and be, you know, a part of that philosophy. Or are you going to see a bunch of individualistic kids going places, trying to get their deals, and that winning the day? That's my biggest concern. And that, to me, is kind of the big big question even in college football. Are those programs uh, going to be the programs to look at? If, if A&M is going to throw out billions or millions of dollars to buy a recruiting class, is that the wave of the future? Or will there be, as one of our texters pointed out, a market correction? We'll see. All right, we're going to break right here. we got a lot more on the way. We'll head back to the text line, 405-651-3439. I want to get your thoughts on that. Kelly Hines is going to join us also from the Tulsa World. She is now in the Oklahoma State beat. What are the Cowboys thinking after spring football? You know, they didn't have a game. They had a practice. We'll talk with Kelly about that, what's going on at the University of Tulsa. Mascot change appears on the way. Tiger Woods is at Southern Hills. There's a bunch going on. Plus, we're going to get to all your texts coming up here on The Ref. All right, Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you here on this Thursday. We welcome in Kelly Hines, Tulsa World, now covering uh, the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Kelly, how are you? I'm doing good. How are y'all? We're good. Now, are you on your way to Southern Hills, hopefully, to go get Tiger's autograph for me or what? You know, I have I have some well-placed sources there, uh, so I'm going to let them handle that. But, wow, that's, that's crazy. I know. I mean, it's it's amazing. We we thought that uh, Mo Gibson, you know, entering the portal was the surprise today, and then all of a sudden you had Tiger Woods landing in Tulsa. Now he's already teed off and playing a little practice round at Southern Hills today. Wanted to bring you on to get an update uh, on Oklahoma State. Didn't have a spring game, but what would you say uh, the positives are for the Cowboys coming out of spring, and what's the concern coming out of Stillwater for the spring? Yeah, I would say, you know, just about every position group, I think they're going to be fine in the fall. You know, the biggest concern during the spring was um, obviously very limited uh, depth on the offensive line, and that that ultimately was why they they didn't have enough guys to have a traditional spring game. Um, Had only 14 offensive linemen um, on the roster for the spring and only half of those available um, because of injuries and and other things. So um, that certainly was alarming at the time but then you know you listen to Mike Gundy point out they're going to have 25 offensive linemen on the team uh in August so I think they're going to be fine they just they need some guys to um obviously 
uh, get over their injuries, but they also need some in- incoming transfers to make immediate impact. So um, that's definitely a, a you know situation to watch moving forward. But I feel like they're going to be fine there. Um, you know, I, I thought that there were some good takeaways just from um, you know the one practice that I saw, which was Saturday, um, and you know they had such young. Um, wide receivers last year, and you're really seeing those guys develop after being in the program for um, a year now. So um, some really good catches um, on Saturday, and obviously, you know, backup quarterback is going to be um, a concern with just about any team. Um, I thought that those guys, the reserves um, at quarterback, um, had some really good throws. Now, Kelly, I get the sense that Sooner fans are going to rue the day that Talon Shetron flipped to Oklahoma State <laughs> at some point not too far down the line. Do you get that same impression as as far as what you've seen from him thus far this spring? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I think that's just how how those uh, stories go. Anyway, when when it got, I mean, same thing with Ryan Broyles. You know, when the guy flips, then the the school they're flipping from is going to you know just really just come to know uh what he could have done there um and i think same with talon he had an incredible catch on saturday and um just kind of backed up what what people had been saying about him um about his abilities so um i definitely feel like he's going to be a very key guy to watch um you know not just this coming season but throughout his career for sure and I remember last year, I believe in August, we asked you virtually this same question about Tulsa and Zayvon Collins. But for Oklahoma State, how do you replace a guy like Malcolm Rodriguez, who meant so much to that defense? Yeah, it reminds me so much of that same thing with with Zayvon at Tulsa. Um, but you know, I think it's just you have guys who have been waiting their turn, and um, you know, Mason Cobb is a guy who has been talked about quite a bit, and. You know, you ask guys on defense, you know, who are you expecting to be a, a breakout type player? And that's someone they mentioned. So um, I, I think that he's um, obviously uh, he's done enough to, um, you know, win over his teammates. But I, I just, you know, having talked to him a couple of weeks ago, he's very much um, confident in himself. And I think he's just that type of um, player um, based on, you know, his talent level and just, you know, his this air of confidence that he has that. Um, you know, they're expecting him to step into that role. I know uh, Oklahoma State fans, I think the excitement level is uh, pretty much off the charts for Ollie Gordon, right? The freshman running back from Euless uh, yeah. Trinity. Tell me a little bit about yeah. I know he's uh, banged up a little bit, but, uh, man, what we've seen so far, you know, and what we've heard so far, it's, you know, he's living up to the billing. Yeah, I mean, very big body is running back and, um, you know, definitely doesn't look like um, a freshman running back. He just doesn't. I mean, he's, he's an early enrollee, he would be in high, in high school right now. Um, you know, definitely had a scary moment. Uh, literally the, the first carry that anybody had seen him um, publicly, you know, he goes down with a shoulder injury and he was done at that point. Um, went to the locker room, came back in a sling, and you're thinking, oh, that's that's that could not be good, but uh, it's supposed to be, you know, just a minor deal. And, you know, if it were a game uh, that they needed him to continue playing, he would have continued playing. So I think he will be fine. Um, but definitely a guy who expectations are very high for. Um, and, you know, just the running back position in general, you know, losing three of the top four guys and, um, you know, expecting Dominique Richardson to, to, you know, take over as the main guy. He's going to need some help. Um, he's obviously going to be, 
uh, his carries will be dramatically increased, and um, there are going to be some um, carries for other guys. And you have to think that you know, even though Ollie is is a first year freshman, um, that you know he's going to at least play in four games if he's healthy. So I, I think we'll we'll see a lot of him. Now, Kelly, we had T.J. Eckert on last hour, and one of the things, one of the balls that we were kicking around with him was uh, this idea that a mascot change could be in the works for the University of Tulsa. So if that does come to fruition, what which name do you think would you like to see Tulsa adopt? Man, I, it's it's hard to come up with anything good. The one, one suggestion that um, Bill Hasten mentioned in uh, – his column for today was Tulsa Gold, which sounds a little bit cheesy, but um, the more I think about it, the more I kind of like that. Um, instead of having Golden Hurricane, I, I definitely feel like they've got to get rid of the hurricane. Um, it's just, it's not a great mascot. Um, I don't know that they're willing to do that, but at least the fact that they're they're um, changing, you know, getting rid of Captain Kane and do, making some other changes. I feel like that's a huge step in the right direction. Um, but, you know, to, to hold on to the gold aspect, um, I think that there's something to that. Um, didn't love any of the others, um, but I don't know. I think uh, it's a risky move because there are going to be an equal number of people who dislike whatever you change to as have, you know, there are a lot of people who don't love golden hurricane. So, um, but there are some people who do. So um, I don't know. I, I think they could do better than that, though. How do we feel about the Golden Honey Badgers? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think Tyron Matthew immediately is the yeah, problem there. How about the Tulsa Outsiders? The Outsiders house <laughs> is still there. You can get a mascot that looks like Pony Boy, Soda Pop, any of the Outsiders. We can have a rumble between the Greasers and the Soches at, at halftime. Maybe not. Yeah, Maybe there not. might be something there. I don't know. I just think it, the options, I don't know. Nothing has really caught on. There's nothing obvious that they're like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll change to that. That's a great name. It's just, you know, they're not really any really, really good ones that have been. The Tulsa, the Tulsa time. And then we can have Morris Day and the time. play. Well, Morris Day's not going to be around a whole lot longer. Don Williams, no. Uh, maybe that doesn't work either. Are you seeing any Parker that you like? No. <laughs> My vote still goes to Golden Honey Badgers. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds, again, there's a breakfast cereal connotation in there, too, somehow. You know, I don't know. But, again, to me, that's Tyron Matthew. He was the Honey Badger. That's kind of the – then you can yeah. make Tyron Matthew the uh, – you can have him in all your ads for the school. There you go. Maybe. maybe he can not. be the face of your university. Yeah, I get he didn't go there, but, yeah. you know, he's somebody everybody knows. Hey, Kelly, good stuff. And uh, we will uh, talk to you again soon down the road. Thank you. And if you see Tiger, you know, if he's going to, you know, uh, grab what, – what is the uh, great hot – I'm drawing a blank. Is it Coney Islander? Maybe yeah. he'll show up there today or something. Tell him I said hello. Go get a major yeah. for us, all right, please? Th- thanks, Kelly. Appreciate it. No problem. I'll see you all. Kelly Hines joining us from the Tulsa World. The Tulsa Tigers. There, well, yeah, I guess. Except the mascot isn't a tiger. It's just Tiger Woods.
uh, I'm all for it. The Tulsa Turtle Dubs, the Tulsa Roughnecks. Now, the Roughnecks wasn't that. Um, you know, the Drillers obviously is the minor league baseball team. Do, 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 do. Somebody yeah. said earlier the Tulsa Tornadoes. I mean, that's that's not bad, I guess. The Tulsa Golden Boys. <laughs> the Roughnecks did. Now, the Roughnecks didn't. Were they like a minor league soccer team? Or, I mean, Roughnecks makes a lot more sense. In 1922, they were called the Yellow Jackets before they switched to the Golden Hurricane. That comes from one of our 918 listeners hmm. via the text line. Can't really use Yellow Jackets because Georgia Tech kind of has the market cornered on that one. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I, I was kind of surprised uh, to see that that was going on. I did see that the mascot looked like it was on its way out, and Bill Haston had a good story in the uh, Tulsa world. Bill does a really good job. All right, we got a break right here. We got one more segment to go, and uh, we have NBA hoops tonight. Three games: Sixers, Suns, and the Mavs can close out series. All on the road, though. We'll get into that and more when we get back, plus more of your text, the Tulsa Boot Scootin' Boogie. <laughs> I actually like that. All right, we'll be right back. All right, we are back. We have one more segment to go, locked in, coming up with uh, Parker and Tyler McComas at the top of the hour. Thanks again to our friends at the Seth Wiley Auto Group, Exit 72 in Paul's Valley. Great deal on a vehicle there. Great deal after the sale. Oil changes and engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. And Beats and Bites is back at Riverwind Casino for 2022, the great outdoor concert series. Begins May 28th with a show featuring Night Ranger and Starship with Mickey Thomas. There you go. May 28th, that is the first date. Also, Everclear, Sister Hazel, and Deep Blue Something. On June 18th, we have the Randy Rogers Band and Scotty McCreary, both in July. July 9th for the Randy Rogers Band with a tremendous fireworks display to follow. And then July 30th, Scotty McCreary. Outdoors at Riverwind for Beats and Bites 2022 with all the best local food trucks, retail vendors. Uh, It's kid-friendly. They have the kids' games out there. Like I said, the fireworks show July 9th, and uh, you'll have a great time outdoors at Riverwinds Beats and Bites Festival, the great craft beer from Coop Aleworks. Ladies and gentlemen, you cannot miss it. And individual tickets are only five bucks a piece. You can get them online right now at riverwind.com. All right, do we want to close out with some uh, some more texts on the Air Comfort Solutions text line? The Tulsa traffic cones. That's all you <laughs> see in the 918 these days. Hey, you see a lot of those around Norman, too. I think maybe the Oklahoma construction projects. Somebody asked, why y'all have an OSU insider on the home of the Sooners radio? Oh, my gosh. I knew that really? was coming. Yeah. Really? You've got to scout the opponent, you got to scout right? the opponent. And I knew the Tiger, so yes. Does your hat say program director, sir, or do you have any experience in that? Or are you just an OU homer? Maybe. And I guarantee if Oklahoma yeah. lost to yeah. Oklahoma State, God forbid, in another Bedlam matchup this fall, everybody mm-hmm. would be on the text line asking, why didn't well, tell us Oklahoma State was so good? He is right, but, you know, that's such the predictable low-hanging fruit. I knew we'd get at least one of those, I and mean, we did get one. Uh, minor league soccer team, he was right, though, was the Roughnecks. That's what I thought. And the Roughnecks, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe it sounds a little too close to Rednecks. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> Tulsa Golden Eagles. I like that one a lot. 
Do you really? I love the Golden Eagle as a mascot. I'm trying to think how many Golden Eagles are there across college sport right now. Southern Miss. That's what I was thinking, yes. Southern pro- Miss. That might be it. Um, Maybe there's some that are at a different level. I don't know. Tulsa, Tulsa Twisters. It sounds more gymnastics, though, doesn't it, a little bit? The Tulsa Torpedoes. Yeah, Tulsa Twisters does kind of sound like a uh, gymnastics club for 14U or something like that. But, no, uh, I guess Marquette is the Golden Eagles as well. That, they, yeah, they, don't they, play, used, they don't play football. That's so. right. They used to be the Warriors back in the day. and Tulsa so. Torpedoes, Tulsa Sugar Gliders. What is a sugar glider? Oh, yeah. Oh, are you the Golden Eagles? Oh, <laughs> Drake, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, right. man, I'm, I'm, glad, yeah. I'm glad there's somebody on the Air Coverage <laughs> yeah. Solutions sex line that's uh, way smarter yeah, that's than us. Right. Yeah, let's pick the same nickname <laughs> as, uh, you know, ORU. Oh, okay, so I just Googled sugar glider. The sugar glider is a small, omnivorous, arboreal, and nocturnal gliding possum belonging to the marsupial infraclass. Really? I had no idea we even had sugar gliders I didn't know there. a sugar glider was a real, th- uh, real thing. Tulsa Oilers, I like that. Mm-hmm. That was the hockey team, of course, also back in the day. But you could all wear it, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel really stupid, too. So, anyway. Tulsa River Pirates. The Tulsa Sugar Gliders, though. I had no idea that sugar gliders were out there. That sounds like something you don't want to look up on Urban Dictionary. I can tell you that. <laughs> it sounds like something out there in California that they do out there. Tulsa Donkeys, Tulsa Troubadours, Tulsa Casa Bonitas. Oh, man. Is there a Casa Bonita in Tulsa? Tulsa Titans. Hmm. A lot of suggestions on the Air Comfort Solutions sex line. Every, everybody wants to name the Tulsa University Athletic Department. Tulsa Golden Warriors. Tulsa Barons. One listener says the Oilers are still in Tulsa playing hockey. Yeah, I guess you can't take that. The Tulsa Talons. Sugar gliders are super cute. Though. Ah, there's a sugar glider Somebody right there. Somebody sent a picture of a sugar glider. Tulsa Tacos. <laughs> Oh, these are some good suggestions. Oh, man. We, we, we should just have the Air Comfort Solutions text line name Tulsa Athletics. Tulsa Wranglers. Just be like, all right, uh, all right, Tulsa AD, we got this one covered. We're going to hand it over to the Air Comfort Solutions text I, line. I'm, I'm just fascinated by the sugar glider now. I'm going to have to go ahead and Google it up. The sugar glider. Do they actually – they do glide in. Yeah. Hockey team, yeah, still the Oilers. All right, we got to get out of tollways. here. Tulsa <laughs> Tollways. that's funny i like it all right good job on the text line today we appreciate all the texts coming in so does air comfort solutions 405-651-3439 got to get out of here enjoy the rest of your thursday we've got more big time radio on the way all right locked in coming up with parker and tyler mccomas I think they'll talk a ton of Sooner football, probably about the Stacey Gage deal, too, and Mo Gibson. Have a great Thursday. For the latest recruiting and Sooner news, catch Tyler McComas and Parker Thune on Locked In. Weekday afternoons from 2 to 3, right here on your home for Sooner fans, the Ref Sports Radio Network.